the lovely notes of Giuseppe Verde mean it's time for another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio, told like it is and always at the highest level. Uh, I am Frank Crivello. I'm the unattractive, fat, stank, cheesy, bloated, hair thinning, uh, bags under my eyes, uh, 12 sandwich eating, just disgusting thing to look at of a host. That's why I podcast. And my co-host is apparently the Adonis of podcasts. <laughs> Just ask him, for Christ's sake. Richard Carmen. Richard. <laughs> Ciao, Frank. What an, in- what an intro. <laughs> I'm the better. Elon Weekly Pod. That's what you, you, you do me like that? I, can't be- I, I don't believe this. They put me up to it. <laughs> Did, oh yeah, you're gonna blame it on them. So. <laughs> oh man, yeah, they're fun. Good. Those guys are fun. <laughs> Good gravy. Good gravy. Uh, I had to sit there and listen to that, and I was like, "So what else happened here? <laughs> what, what, what are you? What, what am I gonna? What am I gonna sit here and listen to the? You know, for the whole time." <laughs> So, but it was a good experience, uh, it, it, you know, and, and uh, you, you did a, you did a good job. You didn't do you didn't do as well as I did on Milan Weekly Pod, but you did a good job. So, um, at least it came know, in second, right? Yeah, why not? You you know, uh, I I had the greatest Milan Weekly Pod. I was the greatest Milan Weekly Pod guest of all time. You were second. I had the Napoli of uh, Milan Weekly Podcast finishing second. Ooh, too soon. And 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 Gab Marcotti uh, finished is in third. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so there you there you have it. You're, we're 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 bigger than we're bigger than Marcotti. Take that. <laughs> so <laughs> so anyway. Oh man. So we uh we we're gonna what we're gonna do here on this edition of City I sit down. We're gonna get through match week eleven and uh the goals were alive and well in all but one game, um and nearly another. We'll <laughs> we'll have word on that later uh we will preview the um champions league and europa league uh match day four and then uh, richard has a couple of interesting uh things that he's following that uh that we'll share uh and kind of give a little bit of discussion on uh one with this notion of a european super league involving 16 clubs and then another of uh uh some uh, Gianni Infantino suddenly maybe not the squeaky clean clean face of FIFA uh, that everybody thought he might be. Um, maybe having a role in in, uh, in in getting Manchester City and PSG out of financial fair play trouble. So uh, we will uh, bring you some information on that. So and Infantino, of course, is Italian, so it, it, it is relevant to us. So let's uh, let's get in and begin with the uh, recaps. I will uh, batch the first five. Uh, the action took place on Friday, or it kicked off on Friday with Napoli at home against Empoli. And basically, if you didn't see the match, uh, this is what uh, Napoli basically did to Roma, except this time they scored goals. Uh, it was Insigne in the ninth minute, uh, Dries Mertens in the 38th minute. Uh, Empoli do pull one back through Francesco Caputo in the 58th, my distant cousin coming through uh, for a consolation goal. Dries Mertens with a beauty that's going to probably be in our goals of the week in the 64th minute. And then Arkadiusz Milik in the 90th. And then Mertens caps off his tripletta 
in the 90 plus three. Um, I don't think you need to say anything more than that, Richard. I mean, that's uh, Napoli did this to Roma and just only scored once. Uh, this is what it looks like when they actually make the goals. Yeah, it was a, a thing of beauty, a display by Napoli. They've uh, they've really scored a lot of goals in the last uh, couple of weeks here, and uh, this was uh, they were full full this goal scoring mode, and that Dries Merton goal was something else for sure. Yes, it was uh, certainly uh, certainly well done, and boy, Insigne and Merton's just absolutely shredded this Empoli side. Um, you know, throughout the ninety minutes, they just neither of them couldn't be stopped, and Empoli just chasing shadows. For much of the match, as evidenced by the five goals that were scored, uh, the Caputo goal, though, fair to say that Napoli aren't going to play that high line, high line against PSG at midweek, are they? No, no, no they shouldn't. And because uh, if they do, they're going to get they're going to get torched by the likes of Mbappe, Neymar, and so so so, so, forth, so forth. They didn't do that in the last game against PSG, so I don't expect the same. So, yeah. Uh, so Napoli uh, cruising there uh, and temporarily had second place in. Steady out to themselves. Uh, but uh, Saturday's action kicked off with the team that had a chance to grab second right back, and that was Inter, uh, hosting Genoa. I, I knew how this was going to go. Genoa with the heartbreaking defeat um, at at Milan at midweek on that that crazy goal. I just laughed my ass off when Romagnoli scored that yeah, goal. Me too, that just me too. <laughs> it just, I didn't even celebrate. I just laughed. I was like, Milan have to win like this? <laughs> so... Um, and then prior to that, Genoa at, at home, um, after being ahead, uh, dropping points against Udinese. So starting to come unhinged a little bit ever since Jodic took over and they got that brave 1-1 draw at the J. Uh, so all that added, all that culminated to this was going to just end up being a disaster. Inter could have started whoever they wanted to. Uh, and in fact, Luciano Spalletti did. Um, uh, Roberto Gagliardini netting a brace, scoring in the 14th and 49th minute. Matteo Politano in the 16th. Uh, my actual man of the match for this one, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but João Mario uh, gets wow. a goal, gets a goal to go with this, uh, with this performance, and then 91st, and then uh, Nainggolan in the 94th. Um, this is uh, Genoa Sans Perrin, Richard. I mean, no manager is going to come in and, uh, and fix this. Let's start by talking about the Bifone and their and their struggles. Yeah, it seems that this move with Juric seems to do more bad than good. Uh, Piatek hasn't scored now in a couple games. Uh, it hasn't really looked threatening in either of those games. Um, so, yeah, it's starting to come unhinged. Even if they had Mattia Perrin, it couldn't do it much good now. Um, he, it, they're just in a state of free fall, it seems like. They need to, they need to find something, an answer quick. Um, and the answer is Piatek or, or somebody, but they need to figure it out quickly because uh, they don't want to start catching the likes of Kievo and Frosinone at the bottom of the league. And Inter just this is a this this is weird watching Inter like this. They find finding different ways to win. Where in the past, last season, and maybe the season before, very Icardi dependent, and obviously he's still coming good with the goals for the Nerazzurri. But now you know Gagliardini getting a brace. Like I said, Juan Mario was the best player in this game. Uh, he scored. He set. He scored. He set up two goals. Um, had an incredible influence on this game, and Gen- Genoa didn't have an answer for him. And I can't believe I'm saying uh, Jao Mario was a man of the match. Yeah, let's uh, make sure we save this recording because we're gonna hear it again. Uh, <laughs> you don't want to quite say resourceful Inter because it's not the fact, but they are using their resources quite well. It isn't like you said, just a one-man show with Icardi or even Icardi and Perisic. It's a whole. I mean, Politano played really, really well in this game. Um, 
uh, who else? Um, Gagliardini scored a goal. I mean, come on, the team looked really well. Nyangalan is marshalling the, the midfield like we thought he would. Uh, so it's it's becoming a refined product by Inter, and let's see if they can keep the see if they can uh, get redemption against uh, Barcelona come midweek. Because uh, at least in Serie A's sake, they're doing what we uh, what many people thought they were going to do, and, and right now they're in second place. And many many people did predict them to finish second. So good for Spalletti to get the you know right the ship around and and get Inter going um, full steam uh, early on in the season. They just got to make sure they maintain it because that's been the problem with Spalletti and Inter. Certainly a confidence builder heading into the rematch with Barcelona at midweek. Uh, the second game that took place on Saturday at the Artemio Franchi, Fiorentina, and Roma, maybe by brand name the marquee match of, of the week. Um, Fiorentina, get, Fiorentina get the lead on a Jordan Veretout penalty uh, on a on a called against Robin Olsen on Giovanni Simeone. Uh, there's no other way to describe this, Richard. That was a weak uh, penalty call, and it was even more surprising that VAR confirmed the penalty. What was your take on it? I thought Simeone sold it well, but mm-hmm. I thought once the VAR got involved, they would overturn it. And then when they did not, I was rather shocked, and I was like, "Wait, you're you're doing this? I mean, they're not Juve, so hey, you know." <laughs> but hey, they gave him the play, and they gave him the foul, and um, Veratut stepped up and, and nailed that penalty as he always does. It seems like he seems to score a penalty every game. It's almost yeah. Um, Roma would equalize in the 85th minute through Alessandro Florenzi. Um, Roma were superior in possession in this game, although Fiorentina on the break creating some shots. Uh, you know, uh, and uh, Lafon had to come up with a couple of crucial saves, so he helped Fiorentina preserve this point. Um, Roma now, Richard, uh, sit ninth. They're on 16 points and, again, uh, dropping points in the league. They did get that win at Empoli, but it just seems like – and they won, the, they won the Rome Derby, but now for the second straight week or for the second straight match ahead of the Champions League game, they're dropping points. Um, what are Roma's problems here at this point? Inconsistency, really. It just – it seems like they play up for the bigger games, and then against the teams that sh- teams that should beat, they just for whatever reason lack concentration, and obviously they have the defensive you know lapses with you know final loss back there. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it it comes down to management or the manager not getting them ready for every single game. Um, granted, they're only what three points out of sixth place, but that's saying Roma in sixth place that doesn't jive. You usually talk about them in the top four, right? So right. see them in ninth place, and and you're saying you're only three points away out of sixth place. Still, that's not what Roma what Roma fans expect. Maybe they're setting all their sights on on Champions League and trying to go far in that again, get some more money. I don't know. Uh, they need to figure it out though in Syria because I I guarantee if they do, this results do not improve in Syria. Isabio uh, De Francesco is going to be looking for another job. Yeah, and it's an interesting month ahead for the Giallorossi. They travel to they travel to Moscow. Midweek for their Champions League match. They're going to take on Sampdoria. They get them at home next Sunday. Some great games next weekend. Um, we'll get into that shortly. Uh, Roma traveling to Udinese. And then at Udinese, excuse me, before the match against Real Madrid on match day five. And then Inter uh, on December 2nd. So that's uh, a window of their next five matches. It's going to get uh, it's going to get pretty interesting here for the Giallorossi and a real test of uh, their resolve coming up here. Uh, on the flip side, uh, Fiorentina, I mean, on the balance and how this game went, happy with this point in particular, but 
they're not winning games all of a sudden. Uh, you know, they that's that's winless in four, just three points, just three draws, uh, and that includes a draw with Cagliari there, and then and then drawing at Torino um, before before drawing against Roma. This is a team that we kind of thought would be kind of sneaky, but. Uh, suddenly Pioli's men are having a hard time finishing games off and, 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 and getting a full three points. Uh, what are some of Fiorentina's issues? Really, it, it's, it's curious because, you know, they have a good young nucleus in this team. Um, they should be competing each and every week, and they do, but it just they don't have quite enough to get them over the hump. I mean, they, they just lost to Inter 2-1. And they, they came back, won against Atalanta, lost barely against Lazio, and then, like you said, the, the draws. Um, and for whatever reason, they are just misfiring. While early in the season, we were, talk, we were, we were pl- applauding them for how well they were playing. Now it seems like just those, you know, the last clinical finish or the last pass is just not getting there, and they need to right. work a little bit harder in practice or something because um, it seems like some something, and I'm not sure where it is. I don't know if it's with the players or just – the, the 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 tactics from the coach to the, the players or what something's not aligned there and it and it's showing this last month or so. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a, it's a strange one because you think they're one of these teams that certainly have the uh, the personnel to be able to challenge for a top six place and you know they're dropping some points here. I mean, they were winning this game. They gave up a, a goal here in the 85th minute. Um, you know, it just was. Uh, you know, they're just not closing these games out. And I, I mean, think that they almost the scored long- on themselves. The one yeah. goal, the defender hit the hit it hit off the post, off his own post, and Alban Lafont was lucky it didn't hit him to go back in the goal. Mm. I remember that. Yeah, it was. Uh, uh, it was unfortunate, uh, but uh, or it's lucky for Fiorentina that they almost that they almost that that almost didn't happen. So. Um, you know, time will tell. We'll have to see what Fiorentina are made of at this point. But uh, the, you know, uh, they got to start finding ways to win games if they're going to be a threat for the top six. Uh, rounding out Saturday was Juventus at home against Cagliari. It didn't take them long to get going. Paulo Dybala with a goal of the week contender uh, in the first minute. Uh, but Cagliari would get a shock equalizer through Joao Pedro in the 36th, uh, which would be short-lived in the 38th across that came in from Douglas Costa, uh, sent in. Uh, by Bradovic on his own goal. Juan Cuadrado getting the goal that secured the three points for the old lady in the 87th minute. Um, you know, this is, is, you know, doesn't get much. Juventus at home against an inferior team. Paulo Dybala shows up, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. And he even shows up with his right foot. Um, a guy who's always known for using his left foot. He fooled the entire stadium when he went to his right side and scored that goal. Um, it's what he does. I mean, he does score. At least he's scoring, right? Um, you want to definitely score against the inferior teams, and then the teams you also want him scoring the big games. But if nothing else, the inferior inferior teams, you know, get get pad his stats, if you will. Um, it's all you got to boost his confidence, though. So it doesn't matter how you boost your confidence, as long as it gets done. And it's important, you know, heading into the uh, Champions League fixture this week uh, that he gains a little more confidence, and maybe hopefully the team even gets even stronger than they were before. Uh, comment quickly on the maturation of Rodrigo Bentancur. He was really good in this game. Yeah, and it maybe it helps to have so many South Americans on the on the team um, to get him acclimated to the team real quick. Uh, he seems to have found his legs in Serie A, and 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 especially with Juventus. Yes, I get it. When you play with better players, you you yourself step up. 
Um, that's I'm sure some of it, but it's also his, that being comfortable in the room with you know the fellow Argentines like Dabala or even Cuadrado, and another fellow South American. Um, it helps immensely. Uh, I don't know. I can I've heard numerous st- stories from different teams where young players come to teams with uh, a staple of players from their their part of the world there to make them feel comfortable and it helps them get into their game quicker. I mean, if he if it was say no South Americans on that team and he joined them. Maybe he finds finds a harder time trying to connect with these guys. Maybe he doesn't speak the language so well. So he has a connection really that helps him get comfortable. And and I think Allegri is using using the most out of him, and um, it's showing really. Bentacor, he's a he's a he's a talent that many people thought he was, you know, coming into this year. A guy that's really it's for me a guy that's flying under the radar. Yeah. Uh, right now and is really taking the reins as kind of being the engine room guy in that in that Juventus midfield. You know, because what was the knock for the last couple of years that just just Kadira and and Pjanic and you know one one or the other was constantly getting overrun and it looks like things have gotten a little more solidified with Benton for his presence and with his performances. So, um, you know, certainly good to see, good, certainly good to see the development of a young player in that case. Um, and then uh, my last one here Sunday morning, Lazio playing host to Spal. This fixture last season, Gomis was the hero for Spal. And made like a bajillion, a bazillion saves. Um, Lazio did everything in that game, but score. So this is this is what it looks like with the goals. Lazio win four one. Uh, Immobile in the twenty sixth minute with a goal of the week contender. Uh, he would score again in the thirty fifth. Um, Antonucci actually equalized for Spal uh, just two minutes after Immobile's first goal. Um, and then uh, in the fifty ninth minute, another goal of the week contender, Danilo Cataldi with a beaut. And then uh, Marco Parolo, after some good work, winning the ball back and uh, scoring to put this one away. Lazio four, Spall one. Let's just continue talking about Lazio being the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde of Italian football. Yeah, so one week they, they look impressive. Well, it's been a couple weeks, a couple games now that they look quite impressive, scoring four goals. Um, being the offensive juggernaut we thought they were, just like they were last year for most for most part of the season, and then they go and have stinkers, and, and they, they lose to teams that they have no no right losing to. Um, it's hard to explain with this team, and I hate I hate knocking Lazio because they have games like this, and you're like, yes, you want to get on their bandwagon and support them. Hopefully, you know they get into the Champions League, you know uh, places. But they have two sides to them, and it's no denying it. Anyone who denies it is is needs to open their eyes because this is what Lazio is. You know, one week really great, and then they they do mind boggling things. Immobile doesn't show up. Uh, uh, Milinkovic Savic, uh, you know, Luis Alberto, it's, it's just inexplicable. And right now it's going well, and I hope it stays well for Lazio's sake and for Serie A's sake because Serie A is far more entertaining when Immobile and the, and the bunch are scoring goals. Am I wrong on that? No, you're not wrong. But the thing that's the, the thing that right now, the very, very scary thing about Lazio for Lazio supporters, if they're going to mount a top four challenge, you know, and, and, and they're going to have to think about their their state their state is finishing fifth or sixth because it's not it is not a promising outlook when okay against the if if, if we're in agreement that the big six in this league are Juve Napoli uh, the two Milan sides and the two Roman sides okay right now Lazio have played three within against those five teams they've lost three two of them were at home and they've only scored once um, and they've been outscored. Uh, seven to one in those three games. Uh, that's that's where it's damning right now for this Lazio team. And 
But then there's the other puzzling thing is, is that you see a team of, of Marseille's quality, they go out there and they beat them 3-1. So it's just, <laughs> uh, you know, this is the most unpredictable team in Serie A. We don't know what they're going to do week to week. But right now, one thing that I do know is against those top teams, they're garbage. Uh, so when they come in and come in here and they beat up a team like Spall, you know, that's kind of expected. Um, you know, I think, uh, in Serie A, their most impressive win, and I should, uh, excuse me, and, and they, and they lost to Roma. They lost the Rome Derby 3-1. So excuse me. So they're 0 for 4. They haven't played Milan yet. They've scored twice. They've given up 10. Um, so, so, so if I, if I may correct that, I mean, they can go and beat Genoa 4-1. They can beat Udinese. They can, you know, Th- their signature win in Serie A right now is a 1-0 home win over Fiorentina. Okay? <laughs> That's not good. No. Um, that is not good. And that is what worries me about Lazio. You had another point you wanted to make? I'm wondering if Simone Inzaghi doesn't suffer a little bit of what Gennaro Gattuso suffers from in that the big games he decides to change his tactics completely and go more defensive, more cautious, which I understand to a point. Uh, but when it affects your team and your results uh, dramatically, then I am against it. You, we, we, you talk about extensively how Gattuso, you know, plays defensively and doesn't play the way Milan should play against these bigger clubs like Inter. Um, maybe Lazio does the same thing, and and they in in, in fear of being uh, sought out and wide open for goals against, they decide to close up shop, and it affects their offensive output. Then thusly and. It hurts him in the long run, so maybe that's what's uh, that's causing the Jekyll and Hyde. Maybe it's the manager. Yeah, I mean, a, a, a terrific performance from them. Today. But it, and I'm going to give it Lazio, Roma, Milan are all built to try to have some semblance of possession, create a lot of chances off of that possession. Um, and I would even go so far to say that I think that they want you know they they, they don't. They're not as successful when they're asked to drop off and, and resort to Catanaccio and when they tighten up. And I watched Roma for 90 minutes against Napoli look completely out of their element trying to play that way. Yeah. And how Napoli didn't come away winning that game like 8-1, to one, uh, <laughs> I, it's still, I'm still baffled by it. Um, you know, and then Lazio, same thing. If they tighten up and they go to these tactics, that's not their culture. That's not who they are. You know, that's not how they're wired. And it's the same thing with this Milan team. You don't have the, the personalities there aren't to play and defend, you know, sit and defend deep. It's to go forward. It's to try to create chances with Souza, with, um, you know, it's, it's now it's Diego Laxalt on the over on that other side until uh, some of these other guys can get healthy and then using the two strikers. Uh, you know, for Roma, you have, you have a surplus of wingers. Um, so if, you know, John Solano says he, he says Under has just been poor this season, fine. You've got other guys. You've got Justin Clivert. You've got El Shadawi. You've got, uh, you know, you've got a handful of these guys. Generate pressure, create things through them, uh, and, and, and get number nine, uh, his chances and feed them. So when they, when they tighten up and they go in a different direction tactically in these big games, it just looks awful because they're not, they all look out of their element when it happens. Yeah, and then at least in Roma's perspective, they always seem to do that in Serie A. It seems like in Champions League, Eusebio Di Francesco pulls the right strings and gets the results, but it's not translating in Serie A. And uh, yeah, it's unfortunate for the rest of the league because uh, this is a team that should be in the top four uh, conversation point and stop. And uh, and Lazio obviously has the talent to do the same as well. And neither of these teams, uh, these Roman clubs, are. Have it just right. Uh, Roma seems like they're in the ascendancy right now, but 
um, we we know them too well that we know that there is a dark side to their uh, to their their goal scoring ways. Indeed, indeed. So we'll uh, you know we'll see we'll see how this goes. Uh, why don't you take us through the rest of the slate? All right. Well, we'll start at uh, your favorite place, the Bentagodi, or maybe it's my favorite place. Uh, that's to be determined. Um, Kievo played host to Sassuolo, and if I were to show you the, if I just give you the last five games of Kievo's run, uh, it would just be all red, all losses. Uh, they've been struggling mightily uh, in the league, and they only have min- minus one point uh, in the table to show for it. Um, they would host Sassuolo in this one. The Nero Verdi um, have had their ups and downs this season. Um, more more good than than bad, but um, this one would start uh, in the forty second minute goal scoring wise by um, Federico De Francesco getting a goal assisted by Domenico Berardi uh, gives Sassuolo the lead going into halftime one nothing, um, and then Kieva would uh, would find a goal scorer in uh, Emanuele Giaccarini uh, chested it into the net. One problem, Frank, uh, it was in his own net. What was he thinking on that play? That was so funny. That, that just sums up Kievo's season, that own yeah. goal. That was so funny. Goalie line on the floor and chested into an empty so, empty net. It was so funny and so but 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 just so tragic at the same time. I mean it just it's 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 Kievo in a nutshell is pretty much encapsulated in that own goal. Um man, alive. Uh you know, I told you if, if, if Kievo were going to do something, we we need a jet you know, we would need or I'd I'm not saying we. I don't we say we. <laughs> we as a casual, we as a casual audience of Serie A, if Kievo want to do well and gain our attention, Giacarini is going to have to be the creator and is going to have to do a lot of damage. And uh, he he just did damage and on his he just did damage on his own team. So no, it's <laughs> just that they're, they're so pathetic and and uh, seven straight defeats now. They haven't won a game yet. Um, and just the way they're running, I don't know if they're going to win a game. Oh, it looks it looks bad. Um, two nothing loss to Sassuolo, and they're still on minus one points for the season. They're like ten points behind, I think, uh, Frosinone or something. So uh, it does not look well for uh, Kievo, and, and they they deserve to be going down. Frankly, they've been they've been deserving to go for many many years now, and I think it's finally going to happen. But yeah, crazy things have happened. People teams go on runs. So. Um, moving on to the Multicalcio, uh, we started the Ennio Tardini. Uh, Parma hosted uh, Frosinone. I'll keep this brief. The only bit of action that I'm going to talk about is the the red cards by Stulak and and and, and Chispa, Chipsa uh, in the 38th and 61st minute, respectively. Um, other than that, not much to talk about. Zero zero goose eggs. Um, Chipsa was, was just a Chipsa was just a yellow, wasn't it? Oh, I, yeah. I have it as a red. Maybe it was maybe no. He got it. It was a second yellow. Oh, maybe well, you're right. Whatever. Either way, no entertainment in that game. Zero zero. No, don't worry. Don't worry. Nobody watched it, so they'll believe whatever you say. <laughs> you want to say Chipsa? You want to say Chipsa got a red card? Chipsa got a red card. Yeah, no so. one's gonna know to watch it or to, 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 you know tell me otherwise. I'm um, going next to the Luigi Ferrari Stadium. Uh, Sampdoria hosting Torino. Sampdoria typically the the stronger of the performances come when they're at home. Um, not in this one. Um, goaling, the goal scoring started uh, when Il Gallo scored a header in the 12th minute, uh, giving Tor- uh, Torino the one nothing lead. Um, just before halftime, uh, there'll be a penalty awarded to uh, to Torino. Upstep Il Gallo, he converts. It's two nothing going into halftime. Uh, coming out of the break, 
Uh, not much change. Torino still doing very well, playing play, playing nice. And Iago Falque, who's usually the one pulling the strings, he gets the rewards for all the hard work he's been doing in this game. And he scores a goal in the 56th minute. Um, maybe nine minutes later, Fabio Colliarella, uh Sampdoria awarded a penalty kick. Uh, he steps up to take the penalty. You should be it should be considered a goal, right? Wrong. It gets saved by the goalie, but Qualiarella does well. Uh, gets there before anybody else and puts in the rebound. Um, you're thinking at that point, okay, maybe they're gonna come back. It's three one at this point. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Um, it's so for Torino would put the nail on the coffin if it wasn't there already in the 78th to make it four one Torino. A big victory on the road, uh, Frank. Typically, like we said, Sampdoria are usually stronger at home, but in this one, uh, Torino came to play, and it's they're another team with Jekyll and Hyde tendencies. Um, they 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 lose games they shouldn't, and then they go to Sampdoria and win a game four one when no one really thought that would happen. What what gives? Uh, with Torino, well, Bellotti decided to join us here in the Serie A season, uh, so that was nice. I think that that was a big big problem for Sampdoria. Um, you know. They need him to play well. They need Iago Falke to play well. Iago Falke was good in this game. Um, you know, uh, and I think if those guys can those guys can generate and create, you know, Torino's going to be a handful for uh, for a lot of people. Um, so uh, I'm trying to see. I'm trying to think of who else uh, you know looked performed well in this game. Obviously, Itza was terrific. Um, you know, Sergio put in a good performance because Sampdoria still generated some chances going the other way. Defensively, they were just incredibly, incredibly poor. Yeah, Di Silvestri and, was good too. Yeah, Di Silvestri was good. Um, you know, and I think uh, up until he was substituted, uh, Rincon had a nice match too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, it's uh, now Sampdoria have conceded. You know. Coming into before the Milan game, they'd only conceded four goals in their first nine games. They've now conceded seven in their last two. Uh, so the de- the defending has gone bye bye. Um, yeah, and you know, for for lack of a better you know for lack of a better description, and that's a problem. Um, you know, if you're going to try, this is another team that that can ruin somebody's season and finish in the top six. They have to make up for it. Um, you know, but uh, you know so. So Sam has to sort that out, and they better do it with before uh, they have to travel to the Olympico and take on another good attacking team, Roma, um, next weekend. And uh, uh, you know, Torino, this is this is what it looks like when you've got Belotti uh, finishing chances, when you've got Iago Falke carving out a role. Uh, you know, Di Silvestri, as you mentioned. So. Um, a lot of it's going to run through those three guys, and uh, they need to be—they need to be at the top of their game uh, for Torino to continue to continue to threaten the top six place. They're sitting in seventh; they're in a good spot. Um, but uh, yeah, they—they're another one that gets a little quirky. They're not to the level of Lazio, um, but uh, but it, but for me, um, this is a Torino team that can still do some damage. So. Uh, you know, Rafa was on. Rafa might be onto something when he would came onto our uh, podcast and thought Torino could be uh, fighting for a European place. And when you look at what Torino has coming up here, their next three games at home against Parma, at Cagliari, and at home against Genoa. Um, Ooh, nice. So they're gonna they're gonna be able they're gonna be able to, uh, and that's before heading to Milan and then having the uh, uh, the Derby della Mole. 
uh, on December 15th. So they've got a chance to do a little damage and get themselves a uh, comfortable point total before uh, things start to get a little more challenging. So uh, good on them. Pilates, uh coming in at a good time and, and performing well. And Sampdoria, uh, you know, there's some issues there defensively that, uh, uh, that certainly weren't there at the beginning of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if Belotti gets hot during this three-game stretch, uh, that could be perfect, perfect timing for Torino. Um, on to our next game at the Dallara. It's uh, Bologna hosting Atalanta, and the host looked to be rude host. Uh, early on, Ibrahim Mbaye in the third minute scored the goal, uh, gave Bologna the lead against Atalanta, and that's how it would go into halftime. And, and it started to look like maybe an upset would, be, would occur here. Um, however... Second half started and things changed. <laughs> Mancini scored in the 57th minute to equalize the game. Uh, not too long later, uh, Duvan Zapata, number 91, with a goal to give Atalanta all three points in the game. They win two games or two goals to one. Um, Atalanta again, they f- they they were f- resourceful on this one. They um, while they're not performing as well as they did last last couple years, really, uh, they found a way to dig deep on the road and get a victory. Uh, Bologna is never an easy place to play, and uh, they showed up. It wasn't their big guy; the big guys that scored. Uh, it was the role players. But hey, a win is a win, and they were very resourceful in this one, Frank. I, I watched a good bit of this game, and Atalanta camped out in Bologna's third of the pitch just about the entire game, um, just with the possession, uh, you know, the chance creation. Uh, you know, they didn't get off a lot of shots, but. They monopolize things, and you look at the match stats, and you see fifty-eight percent possession. I feel like it. I feel like that's wrong. I feel like it's more um, like seventy thirty in that game. Yeah, yeah. When you watch the game, and when you watch the intensity with which Atalanta uh, established their possession and tried to attack, for sure. Um, you know, uh, the, the usual suspects uh, performed well here. Papu and, and Ilicic were were certainly facilitating things. I thought Robin Gosens was really good in this game. Um, you know, Hatibor had a great chance, I think, early on uh, that he should have scored. I mean, th- th- they had a, they had a number of great chances and certainly should have scored more than two here. It's like Bologna got the lead, and then all he cared about was just hanging on for dear life and then, you know, trying to run the game through Santander going forward and going the other way, um, which was not a, bad, not a bad tactic and not a bad strategy. He's a good reference point if you're trying to hit on the counter, uh, a guy that can hold the ball for you for other guys like, you know, uh, Palacio uh, and Bayou scored the goal, Krejci to, uh, you know, to come forward. So, um, you know, so, so I, I thought it was, a, you know, Santander held up and, and did his part of the tactics. Eventually Bologna buckled, which I, I fully expected was going to happen. This thing got to halftime and I said, you know, Bologna got the thing to halftime 1-0 up. And I was like, yeah, that's, that, that's not going to hold. Atalanta's going to win this game. So... Yeah, unfortunately, uh, Federico Santander can't do it all. He needs some help up there. And he, I mean, he nearly scored a goal in this one, uh, but still, yeah. uh, he needs help up there if they want to have any chance to move up the table and get out of the relegation fight. Um, to close out the, the whole day, really, uh, Udinese hosting AC Milan. Uh, we had one, one dull fest in uh, Frosinone Parma, and this one wasn't far off of that. Um, this was a struggle of a game, at least for me to watch, Frank. Uh, you know, both teams... Not really providing much. Lasagna was was involved a lot, um, had his opportunities, um, as was Suzo. Suzo was very involved. Gonzalo Iguain ended up leaving early with a back injury, he claims, or or as some of the announcers may have suggested that, you know, maybe he doesn't like playing against Udinese, so found his way out of the game. I don't know. Um, 
So they relied on Castillejo and Cutrone to kind of try to take this team and get a goal. No goals were in this game for the longest of times. Uh, definitely not through 90 minutes. Um, it, it, it took until the 97th minute, I believe. And uh, the guy who scored a crazy goal midweek uh, did it again. Uh, Romagnoli found a way to score a goal. Game over, right, Frank? No, uh, they go to VAR. Um, apparently, there was a there was whispers of an offside with Cutrone. Uh, they they checked it. Uh, when I, I remember when I initially watched this, I thought Cutrone was offside. Uh, when it went to replay, it clearly shows that he was onside. Good call, good goal. Uh, Romagnoli wins it again. The captain, uh, captain clutch, as I call him, uh, gives Milan all three points. An important three points because Lazio had beaten the, uh, one earlier in the day. And so um, Milan jumped back into fourth place, staying in the Champions League spot for now. But overall, I was disappointed in this game. You know, yes, Udinese are a strong squad. Rodrigo De Paul is having a fantastic season. However, Milan are were not clinical whatsoever. Um, and, and in fact, they gave way too many opportunities to Udinese in this one. And I really thought that the hosts were going to score a goal or two in this one. Uh, luckily, Donnarumma had some big saves in this one. I thought this. I thought this was actually a pretty entertaining game for one nil. Um, I'm going to disagree with you there. Uh, I, I both teams created some very carved out some very good chances uh, and forced the goalkeepers to to make some big saves. Musso and uh, and Donnarumma were both terrific here. Um, Suzo had one that uh, I believe was somewhere in the 57th minute where he's just all alone within 15 yards of goal in the box. And I he should have finished that. <laughs> oh goodness, how did you? You know, you pretty much did, you pretty much count on that being a goal. Um, you know, and I thought that uh, uh, there were some pretty influential players here in this game. Lasagna, I think, was a presence um, and was a handful for Milan to deal with. Uh, Rodrigo de Paul was, was, you know, decent. He's obviously been carrying this team, but, uh, interestingly enough, Antonin Barak was supposed to start this game and then he pulls up injured in warmups. Yeah. So they go with Seiko Fofana and that worked out. I agree with what the commentators said. I think it was Stuart Robson that said it, uh, you know, that, uh, that this actually was a good, this was a blessing in disguise because Fofana was, was really good for Udinese, uh, as was, uh, Ignacio Pusetto before being subbed off. Uh, I thought both of those players were, were influential and were a nuisance to Milan. So uh, going the other way, I, Suzo, you know, did some decent things. Um, and uh, I, I'm going to say this, and I am not going to have a problem saying this, uh, Bakioko was good. Um, he, he was. Bakioko uh, was really good in this game. Uh, and, uh, you know, he has been getting dogged, and, and justifiably so. Uh, but he seems like it's maybe one of the, that it, 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 he's one of those that maybe just needs that time to gain some confidence and adapt to the conditions of playing in a new league, especially one like Serie A. It's not easy to come to Serie A from another, uh, from another league and, and, and all of a sudden excel. It doesn't happen very often. So, um, he has a f- he has the fortune of having the coach's uh, confidence for some reason. Gattuso goes to him you know, game in and game out, and now he'll get with you know with Bilia out two months. He's going to get ample opportunity to to get some um, pitch time and even get better. I agree with you. Bakayoko was uh, was very good in this game, very surprisingly, um, but uh, good for him. Uh, he put a good performance in. Uh, I saw when he was defending, he was marshalling guys around, trying to say you know I got him or you go there, which is good. You need to have communication to play well, and, and he's finally getting on point. And now the uh, the one that it did come at a cost, Gonzalo Higuain getting hurt and having to uh, be withdrawn in the first half. 
Um, he he took he, he took a knee in the back from uh, Mandragora. There you go. The old, the, you know that that's that shit. You know Mandragora, Juventus guy on loan. Milan's got to play Juve <laughs> next week. That's conspiracy theory right there. I'm conspiracy you. theory, isn't it? <laughs> And uh, but uh, the the story that's coming out is that uh, Iguain should be uh, fit and should be okay. Um, uh, it seems it seems to be only a bruised coccyx. That's I didn't know that that was on his back. This is a family show, Frank. <laughs> I didn't know that they, I didn't know that that was on his back. Iguain must be different <laughs> from the rest of us. It's, he's Argentinian, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's that. Uh, I guess you know when you score as many goals as as, as he has, he can put it wherever he wants. Apparently. So, so um, that's just that's just wrong. Our show has um, derailed. Our show has derailed. Yeah, it's it's gone. Um, but uh, but it seems like uh, he he should be. So whatever Mandragora was doing, trying to soften Milan up for the big one against Juve next week, it didn't work. Or as of now, it didn't work. Certainly, uh, this is from footballitalia.net, by the way. Um, uh, he may well be rested for Thursday's Europa League visit to Real Betis, which would make perfect sense. Um, so, uh, you know, so it comes at a cost there with him, but it looks like he could be back. Um, and, uh, you know, this is and, – and, and the one thing that I'm going to say – you know, three games now that Milan have won that they've won late. Uh, Roma, Genoa, and now this one here at Udinese. These were dropped points in the past. You know, so when I see that, that just that that speaks to there's a little bit of luck involved, sure, sure, but it speaks to the maturation of a young team that is finding you know can still go learning how to go out and find ways to win. So. Right. And that's the way I took it. And some people were like, well, this was a terrible performance and all of this other stuff. I said, you know what? In another year, we lost this game or we tied it. Okay. We were, if I, I'll take being terrible and winning all day long and I won't apologize for it. If we, if, if the team can win games knowing that they can be better, that's, that's a, that's a beautiful way to win. Mourinho made a living of it. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, and I just was a godfather who I'm starting to get along with a little bit. And I just I told him, shut up. We won because he was bitter. Like, What do you want? (laughs) I mean, we're this is not this is not a team that's going to go out and play like PSG or Barcelona or Manchester City, which condolences to your Southampton team who didn't even look interested. Um, I didn't even know they showed up. Yeah. (laughs) I thought it was a training session. I I don't think they had keeper. Because I had, I played, I played, I played McCarthy. Because I wanted all of the expensive attacking players that I played McCarthy as my goalkeeper in daily, thinking he could maybe get ten saves. He didn't even look like he was trying. So it was just, uh, it was just pretty pitiful. But anyway, that's that's EPL. Um, so anyway, I think this is a maturing team. They're finding a little bit of luck to to win some of these games, you know, as evidenced by three late wins. But that's the. That's the character of that's a character of a team that you know have their struggles but can still get up three points. That's going to serve them well when you see the final table at the end of the season. If they're getting they're gaining that winning mentality. Uh, Juve doesn't always win pretty. They win resourceful sometimes. You that's what Milan are doing right now. It doesn't look pretty at all sometimes, but they find ways to win. The winners, the teams who want to be in the Champions League, they find ways to win no matter what. Um, and, and Milan are finding that this season that so far. So uh, good for them because right now they're in the Champions League spot. Um, and I know no one 
no one more than Gattuso is happy about that. So uh, he's he's got to be thrilled because his his job is safer for another day. Top four on the table shows um, kind of how we thought it would go. Juve yeah. uh, one, Inter two, Napoli three, Milan four. Um, Sassuolo hanging in there uh, in sixth on eighteen points. You got Torino sitting there in seventh, and we said yeah. with their run of games coming up, they're going to be they're going to be up there to stay for a little while. Um, and then uh, you look at uh, some teams here: Atalanta, three straight wins. They're back in the top half. Roma struggling a little bit. Fiorentina struggling a little bit, but still there. Um, you know, and Sampdoria suddenly uh, giving up goals like gangbusters and have fallen out of the top ten. So. Uh, and then we look at the bottom. We've got Empoli on six points, Frozenoni on six points, and Kievo still one under par. Um, so that's uh, that's how the relegation place, places look with Bologna and Udinese each sitting on nine points. Um, Do you think, stick with Empoli, I mean, uh, Caputo is still scoring goals. So that's a bright spot for them. But he, I mean, if he keeps scoring goals, he may not stay there long. They may take him in January uh, to somewhere else because uh, he's one of the top five goal scorers in the league right now. He plays on the second worst team or third worst team. Um, that shows how kind of goal scorer he is, right? Right. But I think that they're going to try to do their best to hang on to him and try to see this see this through. Yeah. Um, let's also remember he's in his thirties. You know. So what are sure, you going sure, to get? Sure. What, are you, what are you going to get for him at this point? in his career um or you know i mean it may not take much to 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 get him off the books but at that point you know if empoli has a valuation of him at his age that it's gonna i i think teams are gonna have a hard time meeting it um you know so it's it's a it's a weird one when you talk about a player like caputo um and now they host udinese next then they they host atalanta uh when they come back from the break then they're at spall hosting bologna so you know, four games there that uh, they could they, – they, I mean, I, they, they won't beat Atalanta, but the other three games they could start digging their way out of this because I'd, I'd hate to see them get relegated. I've watched a handful of Empoli games, and they play they play a pretty attractive game. Yeah, yeah. They they pass very well. They have good movement. Um, they obviously have a good goal scorer, and if Lagomino would step up, uh, they would have two. Uh, but, yeah, it, it would be unfortunate to see them go because I, I, too, find their play very attractive and uh, – uh, those games when you think are going to be bore fest tend to be uh, pretty entertaining with them because they don't have much defense as well. So uh, usually the offense is going both ways. Yeah, and uh, a, a Tuscan derby of sorts there on uh, December 16th at Fiorentina uh, starts a pretty wicked run for them. Sampdoria, Torino, Inter um, uh, through the uh, uh, through the uh, uh, holidays. So, uh, so they're going to need to do something. They're going to have to try to get some results quickly here in the short term. Uh, padding, get get themselves some uh, points and get themselves some padding and work their way out. Um, we will uh, we will see if they can do exactly that. Um, so uh, that is the table. Those were the results. What caught everybody's eye? Go to at city. Ooh, let's do goals of the week. Um, we had we 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 agree on the five, but we don't know how to rank them just yet. Right. Um. I'm going to tell you, Romagnoli's, Romagnoli's the goal of the week. Um, I'm being biased, but... Certainly the most clutch, absolutely. Sure. Mertens is beautiful, I thought. Immobile with a nice volley. Oof. I'm going to go... I'm here, Here's going to be mine. Uh, uh, number five is... Uh, number five is, is, Imo, is Cataldi. Uh, number four is Immobile. 
Uh, number three, Mertens. Actually, excuse me. Number five, Dybala. Yeah. Okay. Um, number four, uh, Cataldi. Uh, number three, Mertens. Number two, Immobile. And then Romagnoli with the goal of the week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that sounds right to me. Yep. You can't argue any other way, so it's it's pretty good there. I like that. Okay. Okay. Uh, winner and loser, uh, just to get a little bit more in-depth uh, from match week 11. Uh, well, certainly the loser has to be the null-null game that between Frosinone and Parma. Um, I, I, I feel sorry. The losers are the fans that went to go watch that game and spent their money on that. Um, that, that could not have been entertaining at all. Um, so the losers, the, just that whole... Everybody who was involved in that kind of match there. Winner, though, uh, I am going to go with um, Torino. Winning on the road, showing that they may be a European contender when all said and done. Um, to go to a place like Sampdoria, which is not an easy place to play, ask Napoli. Uh, they went there, scored four goals. Il Gallo, you know, he's another winner. Getting two goals in this one. Maybe he's getting hot just at the right time, which would be perfect for Torino. Uh, they, you know... They may they may be uh, get into um, a hot streak here with the three games that you mentioned coming up. So uh, it'll be interesting to see and keep an eye on them. So they're my winner. The loser is uh, anyone who attended or watched or was on the field for that Frozen Only Parma game. <laughs> yeah, anybody who paid for anybody who paid to go to that game. Sorry, yeah. um, sir. Uh, loser for me. Um, I'm going to go with Sampdoria. Uh, not the kind of uh, answer you want after uh, you know losing after putting up a really good challenge at the San Siro against Milan uh, the following week. Uh, you know to put up a dud at home uh, certainly was not certainly was not expected. I thought Sampdoria would win that game. I had them picked in my fearless five. So um, you know, so uh, I've got them for the loser, and then uh, my winner this week. Uh, you know, I'm I'm going to the other side of Milan, and I'm going to say Inter. Um, mm, yeah, just uh, five goals without Icardi out there. Um, you know, they got to batter a Genoa team that had you know pretty much in letdown mode after uh, losing late uh, to Milan at midweek. Uh, but uh, that's what good teams do; they take advantage of bad teams when they're down. Genoa is a bad team. And, uh, you know, while I understand they've got players like Christoph Piantek, they've got players like Domenico Crescito, they also have 24 goals conceded, which is tied for second worst uh, with Frosinone and then Kievo, of course, with 28. So um, Inter have found the resources to start winning games. It's almost as if the uh, Derby win, you know, somewhat really lifted them. I mean, I know that they've won so many consecutive games here in Serie A, but it seems like that that was a launching point for them. The Barcelona game was kind of, you know, as people have said, uh, well, with that sort of logistical schedule, playing the Derby and then having to do a quick turnaround to go to the Camp Nou, they decided to put their energy in winning the Derby and then whatever would happen at the Camp Nou would happen. So um, so I'm going Inter and then, uh, you know, and then you're, you want to say uh, also for Milan because they got their first clean sheet of the season. Yeah, they were the only team up till this game uh, that didn't have a sh- that had a shutout. So Milan was the only one that didn't have a shutout, and they finally got it this game. So the winner for them and and uh, Donnarumma for for gaining that shutout finally. And they did it with Lord Zapata back there. So <laughs> Lord Zapata, that's that's, uh, that's pretty impressive. So those are our winners and losers. Our goals of the week. Uh, City, I sit down at at City, I sit down Twitter or Instagram. Give us 
your thoughts. Uh, let's uh, preview the Champions League and the Europa League. Okay, so match day four is the traditional flip from match day three. Uh, and, uh, you know, so we will uh, start with uh, the big one at the San Siro. Richard Inter hosting Barcelona. Um, I, is Messi back? No. For Barcelona? I don't know, but uh didn't look like they need him in the last game, did it? Uh, no. So if it is, that is even a worse moment for Inter. But, hey, Inter sometimes pulls off crazy things, and they pull out shock wins too. So um, Messi or not, Inter need to play better if they want to have any chance of winning this game. They were... Uh, they gave up far too much possession. Yes, Barcelona do, you know, hog the possession, but they need to do better about that and be be more clinical on their on their opportunities because they will come. Barcelona are not the best defensive team in the world, um, but you know, just take advantage of their of their of their opportunities and uh, just try to get some way to to win that midfield over. They cannot get dominated like they did against Barcelona in the last game. Yeah. Um, he is actually named in the Barcelona squad for the trip to the San Siro, so he could return from injury. So time will tell uh, whether or not he's back in the mix. Um, Inter right now, I think they're benefiting a little bit. I think they found a little fortune when Tottenham could not close the deal against PSV um, in, on match day three. That goes back to, that goes back to uh, Wembley. And you got to think Tottenham are coming away with three points in that game. Um, so to, to get them on four points, uh, how critical is it that Inter's got to try to get at least a draw here uh, for their uh, qualification prospects for the, the knockout stage, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I don't think a loss kills them, you know, really, uh, totally, because um, they still got matches against Tottenham and PSV still. But those game, those teams, and those games will be difficult. Uh, especially if they lose this, but I think a draw would suit them just right. They would feel a lot more comfortable going into those games because probably then at that point, um, a win in either of those last two games will put them through. They have to go. Uh, they have to go to Wembley to play Tottenham on Match Day Five, but Tottenham have to finish up at the Camp Nou on Match Day Six. Uh, so you know they they certainly don't have it easy either. It's going to be awfully right. tight for that second position um, in the uh, in their group. Um, what are they? Group uh, Group B, yes. So um, I'm going to say they get a point here. Uh, I think this will be a thrilling game. I think it's going to be 2-2. All right. Um, you know, I'm going to just do it out of banging the drum for Italian football. I think Barcelona are heavily favored and certainly won't surprise me if they get another win and, uh, you know, secure qualification to the uh, knockouts after match day four. But uh, I think uh, Inter will find uh, Inter could scratch out a point. They've shown they've shown the ability to be resilient here. Um, the logistical issues it's not as damning for them as it was for match day three. They're at home. They played a home match against Genoa. They cruised through that. They rested players. Uh, I think they they definitely are going to put a lot of focus into this game. I don't think they'll win the game, but I like a nice open game here. Two two is what I'm calling. Will Icardi will Icardi be available? Um, I believe so. Didn't they just? Didn't he just rest? Okay, that's fine. Um, if that's the case, um, I you know, San Siro is a daunting place to play at, especially in Champions League. Even on the Inter side, uh, they have a fantastic tifo. We saw that in the derby. Um, 
I fully expected the the Tifo to be out this this uh, in this game. The the San Siro will be packed, eighty thousand people, um, interistes uh, if you want to call them. Um, it's gonna be fun, and I you know I I gotta bang the drum for Syria as well, and um, I think it will be open as well, and hopefully, like I said, I hope they with Nangolan there, they can get some of that possession back, not be totally dominated like they were in the last game. And I think they'll finish their their chances when they get them. And I, I too, I'm going to go one, one draw. Okay. Yeah. So we think that there'll be a point there. Now the critical game, uh, and as far as Serie A is concerned, I mean, inter Barcelona is critical. Don't get me wrong, but Napoli and PSG in group C at the San Paolo in Naples, uh, Napoli, uh, currently, uh, after that draw that, I think they're ruining not being able to win that game uh, and, and held Di Maria with that brilliant goal to rescue a point uh, for the French side. Um, Napoli hosting now. It's at the San Paolo. Uh, a point separates these two teams. Uh, PSG on four points, Napoli on five points, while uh, Liverpool are on six. Uh, when you take a look at the group standings, um, if Napoli win this game, Richard, this is over. And Napoli, even though it's not shown mathematically, uh, I I think go through because they'll have opened a four-point lead on Paris Saint-Germain and they'll have the home game against Cervena Zvezda next uh, where I fully expect them to win there. Um, so this needs to be an all-in thing for Napoli. Uh, what do you expect to see? Uh, for this, uh, for this, this is going to be a spectacle. This is going to be a raucous crowd at the San Paolo. Uh, I fully expect nothing, nothing short of that. Um, as we saw against uh, Real Madrid last year uh, in those big fixtures, it's going to be fun for sure. Um, I think Napoli, they they show what kind of team they are against PSG in Paris last game. Uh, they'll be much of the same. I think they're flying high right now. They're scoring goals for. They're having fun. Ancelotti has structure with them, so. To minimize the chances against, um, I think he'll have an answer for Neymar and Mbappe and all that. I, I think Napoli do this. I think they get the victory. Um, it's going to be. I think they learn from their mistake about you know allowing a guy like Di Maria you know opportunity to shoot. He can score. They've got plenty of guys who can score. They, they and I think they realize that after that game, they won't let it happen again. And I think they're going to win something like two one or something. Buffon will uh, make his return. Uh, Tuchel uh-huh. confirmed he played. He played on Friday um, against Lille, and uh, Tuchel confirmed that uh, he would play in the Champions League here at the San Paulo. So Buffon knows the lay of the land. He's been there many times, having played in goal for Juventus and had, having had, having to have gone to the San Paulo. Um, you know, so he's got tons of experience. But this is a PSG team that can that defensively that can leak goals. Uh, for everything that they offer going forward, and they are going to be a handful going forward with the likes of Mbappe, Neymar. Um, Cavani, I'm not so concerned about because I think that Koulibaly will be able to mark him out of the game. He did in Paris. I think he's going to do it again here. And I think that Tuchel will probably, you, you can expect Tuchel to try to you know, plan around that. He's got to try to try to have his tactics that when PSG have the ball, they're working around Koulibaly, which means... Cavani's pretty much going to get canceled out here. I'd, I'd be stunned if he makes a return to the San Paolo and scores. I actually don't think he will. But it, PSG have some issues defensively still. Um, and, you know, they might be having an easy time of it in the French League, and they're 11 points clear in there. But if you look at the French League overall, 
it's not very good. Uh, where you look at what Serie A have been and how they've performed um, and how Napoli in particular have been at home, they've been, in, they've been incredible. Uh, I'm with you. Napoli are going to win this game. And uh, people will need to look at Napoli as a legitimate contender to go deep in this competition. I don't think they're going to the final or anything like that. But, you know, with the way they play, with the tactical acumen and experience of Carlo Ancelotti, this is a legit contender right now. Uh, and, uh, if they, and, and they will confirm themselves as that after this week if they can win this game. Uh, I, think they beat, I think they beat PSG 3-1, Richard. Um, uh, I really like what they're doing. I like uh, Insigne's playing fantastic right now. Mertens is playing fantastic. Uh, they're getting great performances from guys like Fabian Ruiz, um, you know, from uh, Zielinski. Uh, and Alan came on as a substitute against Empoli. So he's rested and ready to take part in this game. Hamsik didn't play. Um, you know, so uh, I, I like Napoli's chances. I think they're going to beat PSG. They're going to move four points clear of them. And with a win over Savena's Vezda at home at the San Paolo on match day five, they're going to be in the knockouts. I like it. I like it a lot. Yep. Okay. Now the Wednesday fixtures, uh, an early one. Roma is going to travel to Russia to take on CSK Moscow. Uh, Roma currently, we had this debate last week. Roma currently topped the group on goal difference. They're level on points with Real Madrid. But at the end of the day, when that head to head is made up, Real Madrid is actually the one that should be in first, Roma in second. Um, CSK Moscow obviously has that uh, has that win uh, and are still over Real Madrid, that famous win, and are still a factor and can overtake Roma with a win here uh, in Russia. Ru- this is a difficult uh, this is a difficult fixture to navigate. Teams have a hard time at times when they have to go to Russia and when they have to go to some of these further East uh, European countries. Um, I, having said all that, I think Roma is going to get this done. Um, I think that, uh, they don't, I don't think that CSKA has an answer for Aiden Jekyll, especially in aerial situations. Uh, and then I don't, I don't think their defense, uh, can cope with the pace of your wingers. Be curious to see who Di Francesco starts on the flanks. You know, you hope to see El Shirawi because he's performed really well in games like this. Um, you hope that Undere can possibly get it together. Are you, whether you see an appearance from Clive or not, that'll be another thing too. Um, but I'm going for Roma to win this 2-1. 2-1, that's not bad. A, um, a victory is certainly in the realm of capabilities. Um, I think we're going to see a very typical Di Francesco Champions League performance here. Um, I think they're going to minimize the chances that Cesca Mosca will produce. Um Certainly, playing in Moscow is going to be difficult. There's no doubt about it. I mean, uh, ask Man City how much, how much trouble they had. Um, but with that said, um, I think you know Di Francesco. Just he always seems to pull the right strings in the Champions League games. Uh, he knows tactically exactly what needs to be done, and he'll he'll get he'll make sure Jaco gets his his opportunities. And I think uh, Roma win two nothing on the road. Yeah, I, not a bad uh, not a bad shout. Um, I like that a lot. And then finally for the uh, Champions League games, Juventus uh, hosting Manchester United. Juve won by a goal to nil at Man United. Probably could have won by two or three. Uh, Bonucci and Chiellini had Lukaku bottled up uh, in the opening game. I don't see how things are going to be different at the J. I think it's going to be resourceful Juve turning up uh, in advance of their game against Milan. And uh, I think they're going to win. They're going to win 2-0 this time. 
Um, they're going to finish another one of those chances that they had. Uh, Mourinho, I expect to come out and play a pretty atta- attempt to play a tactically astute game. Uh, but I think this is going to be one where uh, CR7 finally steps in and gets his champ- first Champions League goal with Juve. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good shot. I mean, uh, Juve were were Juve on the road, and now they're home. I mean, this is like their bread and butter, right? They right. they rarely lose here. Um, I think I think too. You know, Ronaldo's going to get a goal in this one. I think Dybala is going to um, get his Champions League goal, left or right, either way. <laughs> um, I think it will be resourceful Juve as well. But I I think uh, Mourinho will have a way to finally get a goal in there. Uh, maybe by the uh, the troll doll that is uh, Fellaini. Um, they maybe get a late goal there just to make it interesting, but I think it's 2-1 for Juve at home, uh, and they're not going to be even scared in this one. There's going to be an easy 2-1 with the victory. Yep, indeed. Um, and that'll be 4-4, four for four, Serie A over EPL, uh, for everybody that's keeping score. I know we are. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, Okay, so we move on to the... Uh, Europa League, and uh, we'll batch these two together here, Richard. Uh, Lazio will now host Marseille uh, with a chance to uh, get a little distance on the French on their French counterparts. Um, and uh, Milan are traveling to Spain to take on Real Betis. Um, I I do not expect with 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 Juventus looming. I expect Milan to play a completely changed side and then take their chances with feeding. Dudelange and Olympiacos on match days five and six to secure their spot in the Europa League. Uh, I think they're going to go to Betis. I don't think they're going to get. I don't think they're going to get totally played off the park, but I I'm going to go two nil to Betis. Uh, Iguain not playing is a problem. Um, I I see Suzo resting. I hope I hope they rest him. Um, I see a couple of other guys uh, getting rested as well in advance of the game against Juve next Sunday. So I'm going 2-0 to Betis there. Lazio, I'm going to say 2-2, a draw with Marseille. I can't trust Lazio against big teams still, even with that win at the Velodrome. Um, and uh, Marseille are going to be fighting and scratching and clawing for uh, for a result to try to get back into this thing and be a factor. Uh, so th- that's where I'm going on the Europa League games. How about you? Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think uh... – Milan will perform better against Betis, but I think all eyes are on Juventus. Uh, so thus, they're going to have a very changed lineup and maybe changed formation. Um, I know Gattuso doesn't want to get embarrassed like he did against Real Betis last time. Now, looking at everything in the big picture, this game really shouldn't matter for Milan. What should matter is the Champions League and then also the two games that are coming up that they can win and, and advance. But you know, you know, the hardcore Milanisti will want to look good in this game or at least get a win. I don't think that's going to happen. I think uh, Betis will win the game, but I think Milan will keep it closer than in, um, and maybe like a two-one win for Betis or something like that. Okay, okay. And then so Lazio, I, I think I agree with you with the Lazio score. I think two-two. I, I don't trust them as well, but I think they're going to they're have some goals in them. So, yep, I think that's going to be a pretty open and entertaining game there between Lazio and Marseille. Uh, so I, I, you know, and then. We're both in agreement that Milan are going to uh, uh, going to lose in Spain at Betis. So, uh, and I don't think they're going to be too bothered by that. They just want to try to get in and out of that healthy ahead of the match with Juve uh, next Sunday. So, those that's our European roundup. Uh, your thoughts on the games ahead at City? I sit go to at City. I sit down on Twitter or Instagram. We're going to finish up with uh, a couple of interesting news bits.
Okay, Richard, let's start with uh, this uh, talk of a 16-team Super League. Yeah, so the big uh, hashtag of the weekend is football leaks. And I didn't know what football leaks was really until I saw these articles. And then I'm like, whoa, okay. Uh, so I'll give you the, the, the title of this first article. It's called Documents Show Secret Plans for Elite. Basically, these football leaks are the maybe the biggest leak uh, in, in history of anything. Uh, bigger than WikiLeaks, bigger than anything else. It's just how much information they had on this. Um, this article is super long, super fascinating. I, I recommend reading it. Um, it's Basically, what it says is the elite of the elite in, in European football are conspiring to uh, start this super league and not only start a super league with this um, – the top teams from England, Spain, Germany, Italy, and France. Um, and then you add a 17th team from either like Portugal, uh, Netherlands, um, Belgium, something like that, or Russia. Uh, one of the, one, one team from, from all those te- all those leagues combined would make it into the super league. Um, and it, and it, this list includes the who's who. So the, this article talks about how, um, a seven team, uh, member, uh, secret group uh, got held meetings to try to get this thing going. Uh, those teams include oh, those teams, and this included uh, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Juventus, Barcelona, Man United, Arsenal, and Milan. Um, those are the seven teams involved that were, you know, the, they had this little secret group trying to start everything. Um, but it includes like it includes at least three Italian teams: um, Juventus, Milan, and Inter, I believe. Um, in Germany, I, I know it's uh, Bayern Munich, Borussia Dortmund, and Schalke. In, in England, I believe it's Chelsea, Arsenal, uh, both Manchester clubs, um, maybe Tottenham. It's, 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 it's really mind-opening what you see in this because uh, it's all about greed. They're talking about how they want to leave their league. So basically for the Italian teams, it would be Juventus and the Milan clubs. And I don't know if there's another team involved. They would be leaving Serie A and just playing in this league exclusively. Um, and also part of this this deal is talking about how they would not play their players in the national team. So, so say a team like Bayern Munich, um, they would keep all their, all their players from joining any national teams. That means the German national team would suffer tremendously. UEFA would suffer tremendously. Um, it's really mind-boggling. And the name that's being thrown on all this is like the, the architect. Um, not maybe the architect, but he's one of the main guys in this. Is someone you and I know very well, at least from like listening wise and that's charlie Stellatano, um which is uh crazy because he knows everybody and then they mentioned him in this story and they said like all these stories that are going to come out now um are because of the leaks including the cristiano ronaldo you know rape accusation and stuff um this came from the from the football leaks so it's it just goes on and on about um how the super league is going to form so they can get all the money it would really hurt every other league or every other team that's not involved in this because they would basically take all the money away it pretty it pretty much defunct maybe champions league and europa league and stuff like that um it would not affect maybe european or world cups um however uh it's very very i mean you got to look into i only read half this article um it's just so long because there's so many details involved and um it kind of leads into the second article um, which uh, includes uh, uh, the man you you referenced about earlier, um, Infantino, who we thought was just like this great guy and whatnot. Well, apparently he uh, he helped Manchester City and P- Paris Saint Germain uh, cover up their financial fair play violations, um, and it's all part of this leaks as well. Like I said, um, it goes back until like uh, when um, 
Michel Platini and and um, and Sepp Blatter got you know the whole the whole fiasco started in 2015, I guess it was. That's when all the things started forming. All the big clubs uh, started trying to secretly make this pact and uh, to get the Super League going. And so Infantino helped both City and and and, and PSG avoid relegations or uh, fines uh, by you know changing money to different companies and you know this and that. Uh, maybe not too dissimilar for what you know Juve did with Ronaldo here with his recent uh, contract. Who knows? Um, it's just it's just crazy what this, these stories are talking about, and it's uh, I I want to hear more. I want to read more about this because uh, if this is true, uh, we've heard about the Super Leagues for a long time, right? Am I wrong, Frank? We've been hearing this for several years now. Berlusconi oh. was one of the guys they were talking about. Yeah, they've they've been they've been talking about this forever. So. Yeah, and really since like the since the eighties or whatever, they've been talking about this. But now they feel they say that uh, in theory, two thousand twenty one is when this league would start, um, and they would just hog all the revenues. Their idea is football is getting there's too many boring games. There's not enough entertainment. They just want to have entertainment and make money. Um, and that's what this league would do because all the best teams in the world would be involved, and so much money would be thrown around. And it it goes into like you know what art would uh, contracts get you know, terminated or what gets involved there because every league has their own rules. And um, it's it's crazy when you think about it because you think your team is out of it. But um, so many teams, some of the big clubs in the world, in Europe at least, um, are involved in this. And, uh, yeah, it could – while it could be an interesting if it was like a super league on top of, you know, the, the, the domestic leagues, it looks like these teams are going to leave their domestic leagues, which is the craziest part of this whole thing because – Imagine a Serie A with Juventus and and AC Milan and Inter Milan or like that. That's crazy, right? Maybe the smaller club and it would hurt the small clubs because the smaller clubs wouldn't get the money from the television rights, right? Um, they would get a chance to win, but they would lose a lot of money and and a lot of these smaller clubs would go defunct. Frank, um, Kiev was probably going to go defunct sooner than, sooner or later, but uh, some of these other clubs, maybe like a team like Atalanta, wouldn't survive, or or um, or maybe one of the Roma clubs. I don't know. Um, it's just it's just a fascinating article, and uh, we'll see how much of this is true and how much of it's going to come to light here. I'm troubled by a super league. I mean, I, I and well, and here's the thing. You know, people are always change is always going to concern people, right? Sure. Okay. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Anything anything that brings about change is going to you know is going to create you know, some level of stress, they're going to, you know, people are going to get tense over it. People are going to have their concerns. They're going to have their reservations. Um, you know, you're, you're kind of rocking the status quo here. Yeah. These, they would have to, they, they would have to leave the member nation associations. They would have to leave those leagues and they would have to leave UEFA as well. So yes. all of those competitions across the board, um, would get crippled. Now, would there be an entertainment value to seeing the elite clubs uh, taking each other on, uh, you know, in some new format? Absolutely. Uh, the deeper problem here that I see with this and the thing that I keep thinking about as you were going through this is this destroys the game at the grass at a grassroots level, yes. you know, because now you because these communities that depend on revenue you know, Napoli's not in that conversation and, and Naples would be fine. You know, they'd find a way, I think as a city would, would find a way to survive, but that, that football club is a heartbeat, you know, is, a, is, is it, that, that's a heartbeat of that city, you know, um, 
you know, Fiorentina. I mean, I'm just trying. I'm I'm thinking about the the, the teams that are that are a layer below the two Milan clubs and Juve, and the Roman clubs aren't even in you know in this conversation. Serie A so, would be wide open, uh, but still, it, I agree with everything you're saying. It's it's yeah it's something. Yeah, and I just it, there would be a there would be a trickle down effect with the rest of the with the rest of the leagues and with the rest of the clubs, and it wouldn't be good. Um, you know, and that's where I have my concerns. You know, you get this big money league and a, a small handful of people get to make a, an incredible amount of money. Okay. You know, that's there's, there's the, there's the one side of that, you know, the entertainment value of seeing the big clubs play against each other every week. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of that going on too. Uh, you know, there's, there's, that would be, that would be interesting. I'd be fascinated by that concept, but I, I, I'd hate it if it came at a cost of what it would do to the game at the grassroots level, what it would do, the trickle down effect that it was going, it would happen to have on the, on, you know, the teams that you're leaving out of this discussion all the way down to the, you know, semi-pro teams. And it's not like a relegation thing. It's these once these teams are in the Super League, they stay in permanently. Yeah, there's there no like there's no relegation or anything like that. They'd stay in there. I I I hate it. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know, especially I, if your team that's out of it, that's like a Napoli maybe or something like that, uh, and you know you play good and you want to get more money to go into a Super League, and you can't because the league's been set. Right. Indeed. Indeed. So that's where I fall on it. I just I. I can't I can't get behind it because of what it will the damage it will do to the game across the board everywhere else you know um, you know I I I'd, I'd love the I it's one of those as you can tell as I'm as I'm trying to process this I'm a little conflicted I the entertainment value of such a league would be great but I just the ramifications again the ramifications of what it would do to everybody else. Uh, well, here's another thing. Juventus has a boatload of Italian national team players, right? Well, if right. Juventus is in this league, they're not going to be the national team. The national team is going to suffer because of it. And that's just it. And then all of a sudden, the motivation to play for your country, you know, motivation yeah. of players developing and, and improving all of a sudden change. And I just, I, I hate to see that. I, I love the World Cup, you know. It, it stunk that Italy wasn't in it in the summer, but it, you know, or the United States, but there was still an entertainment value at wasn't the greatest World Cup of all time, like some people like to say, but it was a very good World Cup. Um, you know, and I just, I think that there's too much damage that could potentially be done in other areas of the game I, that I just, I can't, I can't go for this. So if you can do a Super League that creates a coefficient, you know, that, that where you're able to create some sort of coefficient where teams can earn their way in and teams can earn their way out, I'm for that, okay? You know, because I think that uh, these the, 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 the little guys need to be able to have a seat at the table. Uh, you know, if you're going to have if you're going to have anything any kind of conversation like this. So, and then the Infantino. I mean, are these charges legitimate? Are they? You know, from what you were reading, um, it's still to be determined. Uh, I know I saw a tweet. Um, from uh, what's his name? Man- not Mansour. One one of the one of the one of the guys who's in, in Men's City, uh, who's higher up. He's he's in that in that Amazon uh, piece. He's in there a lot. Um, he's like the general manager or whatever. Uh, he said that he would be willing to. He's happy to spend you know, thirty million dollars on lawyers to sue UEFA, uh, involving this whole thing. So this whole this whole uh, accusation. So 
Uh, we'll see. That that that's that'll be interesting because uh, those two teams would uh, suffer mightily if if it find out that that's what really happened. And and Infantino as well, he'd be gone in in a second. So um, that's to be determined. Kind of like any any accusation you hear from here on out is just going to be too to be determined, like this Ronaldo thing. Yeah. Um, so people would definitely have a decision on their hands, no doubt about it. Um, you know, should all of this should all of this come to light and turn out to be true? So. Um, we are going to put a bow on this edition of Celia Sit unless there's any do you have anything else to add to uh Actually no I don't. <laughs> okay. Well then let's put a bow on this edition of Celia Sit Down. Um time for a uh, social media check and any uh, shameless plugging. Uh what are you up to Richard? Uh not much really. I'm just uh, finishing up a piece on uh on Rooney and DC United kind of I, I had one at the beginning of the season about how the, the chances of them making the playoffs and when that, that the fact that they actually did, um, and with Rooney and all that, so I'm going to end all that. And then, um, I'm going to try to get back on my, my Serie A kick, uh, with, as far as writing goes, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's been so busy as you know, you are as well. So, um, other than that, just doing podcasts. And so you can find me at R underscore K H A R M A N on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and, uh, pretty much anywhere else. And uh, Richard was a guest on Milan Weekly Pod last week. That that that, that one is still out there. Go check it out. Uh, good conversation he had with Vinny T and Stevie P. Um, uh, I'm at FTC underscore 21 on Twitter right now. Just really just doing the Fearless Five. Got three out of five right this week. So made a little bit of an improvement from the last two weeks. Uh, I guess you got to start small. The uh, shock was Kievo over Sassuolo, and that didn't happen. Uh, and then I also got Sampdoria wrong, but I did get Juve, Inter, uh, and Atalanta correct. So, um, but uh, so we'll uh, roll out another Fearless Five later this week uh, there. And, um, you know, and then, uh, yeah, things are getting away from me as well. So it's pretty much this podcast and, uh, and, and the Fearless Five at this point. But uh, at, City, at FTC underscore 21 is where you can find me. At City, I sit down on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, give us a follow there. We are on uh, iTunes. We are on SoundCloud. And we can also be found on Stitcher. Uh, do subscribe at those uh, wonderful places and uh, drop a comment. Uh, would certainly uh, love to hear from you guys in that vein. So I uh, do want to thank you guys for listening to us. Uh, for uh, Richard, the Adonis of podcasts, I'm the fat, disgusting host of the Serie Sit Down, <laughs> Frank Crivello. Uh, we want to thank you for taking the time to listen to us and be sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao.